We begin with a word of prayer, and we'll ask God to bless our time together in His Word tonight. If you would please join with me. Loving Father in heaven, thank you so much. Lord, this Thursday night Bible study for us is really the highlight of our week. It's that one night where we can just put all the busyness of our lives aside and come together and fellowship together and worship and open up our Bibles and just get into your Word and have your Word get into us as you speak into our lives. Lord, it's with a great anticipation that we look forward to what it is that you have for us tonight. We also so look forward to the celebration of the communion table, which we do on the first Thursday of each month. And Lord, we're just looking forward to that as well. When it's all said and done tonight, Lord, we want you to be glorified in our midst. We want you to be magnified. We want the name of Jesus to be lifted up, the name above all names. Lord, also I know that many will come to a Bible study like this or watch online that are just really struggling and hurting and weary. And Lord, thank You that You lift up the weary. Thank You that You're close to the brokenhearted. Thank You that in the power of the Holy Spirit You strengthen and encourage our hearts. Thank You that Your Word has that much needed effect on our lives as well. Lord, really that's why we're here tonight. We're here because we're hungry and thirsty for You, knowing that only You can satiate that hunger and that thirst that we have. I know many are desperate to hear a word fitly spoken, as only You can in that still small voice of the Holy Spirit as you do speak. So Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and Amen. Alright, so here in this chapter, God has the prophet Isaiah turn a corner of sorts, and he does so in order that he might deal with a very serious problem. This was a serious problem in Isaiah's day, and uh, it's also a serious problem in our day as well. And it's that of praying, and especially fasting, being to no avail, which can oftentimes be misinterpreted as God not caring or hearing the prayers of His people, and such was the case with the people here in Isaiah's day. As we're about to see, God, as only He can through the prophet Isaiah, will explain why it is that prayers and fasting remain unnoticed, unanswered, and perhaps more importantly, what to do about it. So you ready? Let's jump in. Verse 1. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily 
and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God, they ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. In other words, that's what they're known for outwardly, but that's the problem. (laughs) Because it doesn't comport with what's going on in their hearts inwardly. They have this outward appearance of seeking the Lord and being known as those who seek after righteousness and don't forsake the ordinances of God. This is how they were seen. And so Isaiah is told to cry aloud and lift up his voice like a trumpet. Sometimes there has to be a loudness when we we have to hear the voice and heed the voice of God. What was it that Isaiah was to lift up his voice and cry aloud and say to his people, Oh, he's to say to them, Why are you seeking the Lord in vain? Oh, you're, you're putting on a good show. I mean, everybody's seeing you. Oh, look at them. They're fasting. Look at them. They're praying. Look at them. They're seeking the Lord. Oh, if you only knew. Verse 3, Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls, and you take no notice? Oh, so it's God's fault. In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure, and exploit all your laborers. That's a problem. Indeed, verse 4, you fast, this is interesting, for strife and debate, and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day, to make your voice heard on high. Wow! Well, here we've got a pretty uh, graphic picture of why it is that God would not take notice of their fast, why God was not pleased with their fast, why God would not hear their prayers. Simply put, they were being disingenuous at best and dishonest at worst. And isn't this interesting that they were fasting in order that they might win an argument in their striving and debating. And I mean even worse than that, they were fasting while at the same time they were striking with the fist of wickedness. This is how they were, we're going to talk about this in a moment, they were treating others. And yet outwardly, you look so spiritual and you're fasting and seeking the Lord. But this is what's done behind the scenes. Oh, you don't think God takes notice of that? How do you treat people when nobody's looking? (laughs) Well, God's always looking. God sees everything. Is it a fast, verse 5, 
that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen, verse 6, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. In other words, God starts off by telling them, this is what you don't do, and instead this is what you do do. (laughs) That totally came out wrong, but I think you get the point. I mean, what good is a sign in town that says, this is not the way to Kaneohe? Well, thank you very much. That's so helpful to me. This is not the way? Where is the way? What is the way? And this is essentially what God is saying. This is not the way to fast. This is the way to fast. This is what I love about God's Word. God will never say, don't do this without also saying and packaging with it, do this instead. This is not the way to fast. This is the way to fast. I think about what the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit wrote to the Corinthian church. That's not love. You think you're being so loving? Oh, and accepting, and you're even boasting about it. Oh, we accept everybody. Just come as you are, and no problem. We're just going to love you, because we're a loving church. We accept everybody. Even guys that are having sex with their stepmoms, because we're a loving people. And the Apostle Paul, with all of its his strength and the strength of the Holy Spirit, says to them, that's not love. That's not what love is. This is what love is. And we affectionately refer to it as the famous love chapter. It's the chapter, the number one request whenever I do a wedding. I'm asked to read, you know, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. And i got to confess, sometimes it's really hard for me because I, I want to sit down with a couple and say, do you realize what this chapter, it, it's a rebuke. This is, a, okay, if you want to be rebuked at your wedding with all of the family that, that's going to be in attendance, that's fine. We'll, we'll rebuke, because that's what that was. And this is what Isaiah is doing. He said, that is not fasting. You think it is, it's not. This is what fasting is. Well, okay, what what is fasting? Oh, the fast that I have chosen is to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. The implication being that they were doing all of the above, and yet they were fasting. And it's almost like, and you'll forgive the crass way in which I say this, but it's almost like God saying, are you kidding me right now? You're fasting while at the same time you're doing all of this? Oh, why? Why are you fasting? 
Stop doing that and start doing this. <laughs> it's reminiscent of when Jesus very harshly, and I, I don't think we should be surprised, the harshest words to ever come from the mouth of the Savior were reserved for the religious leaders of that day. And he rebukes them and says to them, your fasting is an affront to me. Because you do it to be seen by men. You're fasting and you, you don't shower. That alone is a problem. And you don't do your hair, if you have hair left. That's less of a problem for me these days. And you, you know, you tear your clothes and you put sackcloth and ashes on and you, oh, I'm fasting. Oh, I'm not worthy. You hypocrites. And when you pray, you, you pray on the street corner to be seen by men. So the, the, the misrepresentation is, is that you want to appear more spiritual than you really are. And like God is going to hear that? No. See, it's an outward show, selfishly, and not an inward commitment, selflessly. Jesus says, you, you want to fast? Okay, don't let anybody know you're going to fast. First of all, that's the first thing, because as soon as you say, I'm fasting, oh, you kind of blew it. <laughs> Because why would you want people to know you're fasting? Because you want them to think you're really spiritual? No, don't tell people. Don't make a big show of it. I see it. But if you're going to make a big show of it, I won't see it. So comb your hair and take a shower for the love of God. Take a shower, please. <laughs> and, and, and dress nicely. And then fast. And I'll take notice of it. But you've got an issue here with, as we're going to see next, how you treat other people. Apparently they were laying quite a heavy yoke on people. They were oppressing people. They were putting undue burdens on people. And they were actually, I mean we just read it, the fist, fist of wickedness, that's quite an image. And now it's the bonds of wickedness. Verse 7, is it not to share your bread with the hungry? Again, that's not what fasting is. This is what fasting is. Sharing your bread with the hungry. And that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you cover him. And not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then, verse 8, your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. What is so striking to me is the contrast here. I mean, this is the fast that is acceptable to the Lord. This is the fasting and praying that avails much. When there's no hypocrisy, when 
there's a sincerity and you're treating those who can do nothing for you in return kindly, generously. That is the true mark of benevolence and love. And God takes notice of that. I'm thinking it's Matthew 7. It's really quite an indictment. And many a Bible commentator has struggled to really capture the intensity of what Jesus is saying about, oh, actually, yes, uh, it's probably not Matthew 7. You can correct me afterwards. But he says, when you give a glass of water to the least of these, it's like giving a glass of water to me. God takes notice when we take care of those who can't take care of themselves. We talked about this last week. We're going to see it in James, Lord willing, when we're finished with Hebrews. But this is pure, undefiled religion. It's helping the widow and the fatherless and visiting those that are in prison. That gets God's attention. And isn't it true that this is what the Savior did when He was here in His public ministry on earth? In other words, the importance of how we treat other people has a profound impact on our praying and fasting. I don't know if it's possible to overstate it. You know, interesting, tonight when we partake together of communion, there's that passage in 1 Corinthians 11 that makes the hair on everyone's neck stand on end every time you read it or hear it. And it was these Corinthians partaking unworthily. Why? And some of them were getting sick, and some of them were dying. Why? Because of the way they were mistreating their brothers and sisters in Christ. You get the impression, rightfully so, that this is pretty important in the eyes of God, how we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, I, you'll forgive me for repeating myself. I don't think it's possible, and this is not hyperbole, it is literally impossible to overstate the importance of this. And maybe I need to spend just a, a couple more moments on this. God takes notice with how it is that we treat others. What do we do when we see somebody in need? Do we say to them, like James says, be warm, be well fed? <laughs> hey, we'll do lunch sometimes. Really? Hmm. And you wonder why God is not responding to you when you're not responding to them? Don't you know that when you respond to them, it's as if you're doing that as unto the Lord? When you, when you see somebody naked, you, you, you cover them up. When you see somebody that's hungry, you give them bread. When you see somebody that's downcast and cast out, you bring them in, show them hospitality. We talked about that on Sunday in Hebrews. One more thing on this. I think about it from a, a 
parental aspect. Uh, stay with me. I'll try to be as brief and concise and clear as I possibly can. How do you feel when your kids fight with each other or mistreat each other? Does, does it not tear you apart? Does it not rip your heart to shreds? When my two boys were young, they used to fight all the time. And I used to pray and fast, by the way. I can tell you now, because that was a long time ago. <laughs> I did comb my hair. I had more hair to comb then. But I would pray and fast, God, please. I just, I love them so much. And they're just going at each other all the time. It's killing me. I can't take it. And it's almost like our Heavenly Father is saying, welcome to my world. How do you think I feel on an infinitely larger scale? You're just getting a taste of what I go through when I see my children at each other's throats. Is it any wonder, one more thing <laughs> on this before we move on, and this is important, please hear me out again. Is it any wonder that when the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, starts the grocery list, you know what I'm talking about? You know, where he starts listing all of the sins, and those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, and, you know, put off the deeds of darkness, and then he'll list them. Or writing to the Galatians, he wrote up to the Corinthians, the Romans. I mean, virtually every single epistle, you got a grocery list from the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit. And in that list you have things like murder, sexual immorality, and then all of a sudden, it's almost at first read out of place, gossiping, slandering. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that gossiping and slandering rises to the level of being on the same list as murder? Yeah, in fact, Jesus said, Matthew 5. When you hate somebody, you're committing murder in your heart. You're assassinating them. I think of what he wrote to the Galatians. He said, you better stop. You keep doing what you're doing. You keep devouring and gossiping and backbiting and fighting with each other. You're going to destroy each other. It's just a matter of time. You better stop. How we treat others. Have you ever connected those dots that your prayer life can be hindered by virtue of how you treat people? That's what Isaiah is saying here. That's the loud voice, like the sound of a trumpet. Verse 9, then, key word, Hang on to it. We're going to come back to it. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and He will say, Here I am. If, keyword again, you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, look at this list, and speaking wickedness, if, 
You extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul. Then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. Wow. Did you catch that? This is what I like to refer to as the if I then he of God's Word. In other words, if I, number one, take away the yoke from my midst. Number two, stop pointing the finger of blame. You're blaming everybody but the one who's to blame, you. Stop doing that. If, 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 big if. Conditional, right? This is one of those conditional promises in God's Word. The Word of God is replete with them. God promises to answer and hearken unto the voice of our cry, if, if we do this, then He will respond. Stop blaming everyone for all your problems. How, how Adam is that? How Eve is that? I cannot get over when <laughs> they disobeyed God, ate from the tree, were deceived by the serpent, and then God approaches them, and what is their response? Well first, Adam, it's the woman you gave me. It's her fault. Points the finger of, of blame at the woman. So what, what's Eve's? Oh, she, she points the finger of blame actually at God vis-a-vis -vis the serpent. Because she says, oh, it's because of the serpent that you put in the garden. It's your fault. Had you not put the serpent in the garden, this would have never happened, God. So, hey, wash my hands of this. You're, you're the one to blame. No, my wife's the one to blame. No, my husband's the one to blame. Now nah, the devil made me do it. Remember that one? The devil cannot make you do anything. Oh, he can tempt you. But we fully cooperate with him. <laughs> How about speaking wickedness? Here it is again. Do we dare expound on this a little bit? This is the no less than third time, it, maybe it's been more, but I, I know I've counted three times where the word wickedness is used to describe what they were doing. The fist of wickedness, was this physically abusing people with the fist of wickedness? Maybe. How about speaking wickedness? Sometimes the verbal abuse can be worse than the physical. You know that saying of old, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me? Is that how it goes? What a lie. It should be more like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can absolutely devastate me. In some cases, I would almost rather have the physical than the verbal. You can just cut somebody to shreds with that ugly, again, James talks about the tongue, 
the same tongue that we so beautifully worship the Lord with today. Oh man, that, wasn't that sweet? Oh, I love those songs. Bring back a lot of memories. Jesus, precious Lord, send your Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then we'll leave here tonight, and on the way home somebody will cut us off. You jerk! Wow! That, that's the same tongue you just got done praising God with. How about that? Speaking wickedness. Oh, be very careful with what you say. Speaking wickedness. Um, maybe just one more comment on this, since it seems to be the common theme and thread woven throughout the fabric of this chapter. How we talk to others. Is there a bite in our tone, in our words? You know, because a lot of times it's not so much what we say, it's how we say what we say. Example, I can say to my brother Leitu, Leitu, you're such a jerk. <laughs> or I can say to my brother Leitu, Leitu, you're such a jerk. You're not, but I'm just, you get the illustration here, right? You see the difference? I said the same exact words, but I said them in a certain way. Biting and cutting, and with the intent to injure and hurt. It's a deliberate intent to cause hurt and injury and harm. Our words need to be seasoned with grace. The way we talk to other people, not talking down to them, not being hurtful toward them, not fancying ourselves as being better than them, thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. That's usually where it's birthed, and that's always the source. When you peel back all the layers, that's what you'll find. At the core of it is pride that says, I'm more important than you. I'm better than you. I'm more spiritual than you. And that's what happens. How about this extending your soul to the hungry and satisfying the afflicted soul? You know, we live in a day, I think you would agree, where so many people are hurting. What are we doing? What are we doing to help them and encourage them and minister to them? Don't think for a second that God's not going to notice that, because if we will do that, then God will hear and answer and respond. If you will do these things, and if you will stop doing those things, then I will, and you can fill in the blank. Oh. Listen to verse 11 and 12. This is astounding. The Lord will guide you continually. I'll take it. Where do I sign? And satisfy your soul in drought. I'll take it. Where do I sign? 
and strengthen your bones. I could use me some of that. You shall be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. What? You're going to do that? Yeah, if then I will guide you. I could use some guidance, especially when it comes to those very important decisions in life. God, I need guidance. I need direction here. I need your wisdom from above. How about satisfying your soul in drought? Man, when things are really bad, God always provides. And you're untouched by the drought that comes upon others. This strengthening your bones, man, I tell you, that alone is worth the price of admission, if I can say it like that. Strengthen your bones. How many times do we pray, God, strengthen me? I want to, I will, if you then I will. Verse 13, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, hang on to this because it'll make sense here in a moment, the holy day of the Lord honorable and shall honor Him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth, and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. I love that. I love the chapter ending like this. It's like God saying, I said it, that settles it. I think that's what they call a mic drop. <laughs> the Lord has spoken, period. So what's this about now? All of a sudden we go from fasting to the Sabbath. Oh, there's a reason for that. The common denominator between fasting and the Sabbath is that it was the right thing done in the wrong way, with the wrong heart. Oh, they were, they were still observing the Sabbath. But you hypocrites, apparently you were also seeking out your pleasures on that holy day. And you were dishonoring God. You were doing your own thing. Oh, we're still observing the Sabbath. We're still praying. We're still fasting. In other words, this is more correcting and convicting concerning how their keeping of the Sabbath, which Jesus fulfilled, by the way, was also to no avail, just like their fasting. Your observance of 
the Sabbath, which Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. By the way, if there's uh, anyone who's interested in knowing, we get at this quite often actually. Uh, I think we did a pretty in-depth study on this when we were in Exodus 20, uh, going through the Ten Commandments, and it was the Fourth Commandment. And we went in-depth into why it is that we do not keep the Jewish Sabbath as New Testament Christians. Now, those who do, we call them Sabbatarians, fine. You know, if they choose to esteem one day over the other, so be it. Don't judge others based on their Sabbaths or festivals or new moon celebrations. But we go in in depth into that. It should be on YouTube and our websites as well. But suffice it to say that they were doing the same thing with the Sabbath as they were doing with their praying and fasting. It was all an outward show but it didn't match inwardly in their hearts. And this is the rebuke and the correction. And please don't miss this. Do you see a loving Heavenly Father so wanting to bless His people abundantly, but can't? It's not that He won't, it's that He can't. Because as long as they're in violation of these principles, and disobedient to the commands of God, God cannot. It's not that He won't. He just can't. He wants to though. So it's almost like He's saying to us as His people, hey, I'll use myself, J.D., I so want to bless you exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything you could ever possibly imagine, think, or even ask. I want to bless you. I want to pour, I want to open up the windows of of heaven and pour out a blessing that is just so much, you won't, you'll tell me, stop, I don't have, I can't take your, stop, too much. That's how much He wants to bless us. And He wants us to know, like that sign, this is the way. 